0: I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you want to learn more from me, please check out my website, MikeReinald.com. In addition to all my great articles, videos, and podcast episodes, I have a ton of online CEU courses, as well as my Inner Circle online mentorship and community. Be sure to subscribe to my free newsletter, where I'm always sending you great info and exclusive perks and discounts. Just head to MikeReinald.com to get started. Thanks so much. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reinold Show, we talk about knee extension strengthening exercises after ACL reconstruction and really about that whole 90-40 concept. The Ask Mike Reinold Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Before we get to the podcast, I wanted to make sure you knew about my free online course on the Introduction to Performance Therapy and Training. If you want to learn how to get started optimizing and enhancing performance, this is the course for you. Head to MikeRinnell.com slash performance to sign up today. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. We're up at Champion PT and Performance up in Boston, Massachusetts. Mike Scudo, Dan Pope, Dave Tilly, Lenny McCrino, Lisa Russell here asking... Or no, answering the asks that you have for <laughs> questions for us. So, Len, what do we have for students today? We have
1: Nick from Fermi- from Duke University. Just kidding. Framagioli from Duke University. We have Fernando Espinosa from University of Wisconsin-Madison. And we have Joe Gouette from Virginia Commonwealth University in the Commonwealth of Virginia University. Who's
0: up today, Big Joe? Yeah. Big I Joe, what you done by like, You almost done? End of March, oh. four weeks. Jeebers. Weeks left, wow. Considering it's it December. Get a whole month, yeah, All right. <laughs> awesome. All right, Joe, what do we got for a question today? All
1: right, we got Matt F. from Down by the River. When using <laughs> single leg <laughs> extensions after ACL reconstruction, do you have patients perform them in a shortened range from 90 to 40 degrees? Or do them in whatever range is
0: pain-free. If you use a shortened range, when will you open that range up? I mean, one of the best questions we've had in weeks, right there, and how well articulated by Joe right there. I that, that was like dramatic. I felt some suspense with that. That was that was that was fantastic. And I will say, I feel like we every now and then we're getting like these. Uh, what are they uh, pseudonyms? Is that what it is? Pseudonym? Yeah. yeah. Down so by is the that river. Matt Tom Foley from mm-hmm. he, in his van down by the uh, yeah. th- down by the river? Like, don't you Tommy Boy reference? No, it's SNL. It's probably, uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 SNL. Close, close, but uh, you know what? You know what my guess is is it's just all the same person, and they're yeah. just, they just don't want to just keep <laughs> asking questions under their name. So I like it. Good questions though. So all right, right, 90-40, right? So after ACL reconstruction, knee extension from ninety to forty degrees, very commonly recommended range of motion because from 40 to zero your leg will blow up if you do If you do that at that point at any point. Len, why don't, historically, why don't you tell us a little bit about maybe the origin of that?
1: Historically, yes. Historically, it's it's been limited after an ACL. There is thought that the tibia does translate anteriorly a little bit more in the last degrees of range of motion from 40 to zero. So if we're trying to limit anterior translation of the tibia on the femur after a reconstruction, after an ACL reconstruction, then we want to block or stop the patient from going those last you know, 30 or 40 degrees. Um, with that, I mean, I've tried. I even spoke to Kevin Wilkin, and um, he still does it. And I still respect the precautions too. I just pull back on my precautions with that. So I, I do it, I just do it a little earlier than I used to. I don't wait the 12 weeks. Do what? Mean, you the do full, full range motion. of motion, yeah, Full active.
0: So so ninety forty historically, there is a little bit about, you know, does obviously just biomechanically that the pull of the quadriceps pulls the tibia anteriorly, which then put a little bit more strain on there. Well, let's talk about strain. You talked about uh, motion though, but what, what's the strain? The strain
1: that I've seen in some of the studies that are out there, Escamilla has a nice review. I think that was JOSPT 2012. That he he basically captured all the literature at that time. So it's you know eight years ago, um, and a lot of the studies are from uh, Dr. Benyon put a lot of strain gauge studies out um, back in the day, back in the '90s and early 2000s. In vivo, in vivo, correct, <laughs> and showed you know three percent strain to maybe four and a half percent strain for most of the open chain stuff. So. And that was using, I think, roughly 10 to 20 pounds of force. So an ankle weight, right, that we would do three, four, six weeks out of an ACL surgery typically. So with that, because I've seen that, I tend to do it sooner than the 12 weeks, because I don't think it magically 12 weeks things are any more somewhat healed than at six weeks. We know the graft takes years to mature, right, one to two years if it's an autograft. So. I do it sooner because of the Benyon studies and that Escamilla uh, review paper that I highly recommend you guys read, and I haven't seen the, the increased translation. Not that I'm doing a KT test on people, I haven't seen the issues that we think could potentially happen. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, like and that, know again, I, I'm more so I see a lot of patella tendon grafts. Um, I will go a little slower in general with a hamstring graft because of the soft tissue fixation. But with a patella tendon graft where it's bone and bone, um, I'm, I'm definitely more aggressive in how I treat those uh, those those people post-hoc. So
0: I think biomechanically, a little bit, again, where this started was, you know, the Ben and Fleming studies, There, they, they obviously had a lot of, Uh, you know strain gauge type research that showed some strain with with uh, comparatively Open kinetic chain versus closed kinetic chain. That's where this all starts. Yeah. Open chain versus closed chain. And what they showed was closed chain just didn't have that anterior stress, uh-huh. that strain, I should say. It didn't have it. And open chain at terminal knee extension did. So they said, let's stop. Then, you know, we started to learn a little bit more, right? So one thing we did note, note as they, they published subsequent studies is that when you increase the amount of weight on your knee extension, the strain goes up linearly as well. So it's an interesting kind of component. Maybe you can do full range of motion, but with less weight at the beginning. That's an important part. But then what really started happening is we started kind of opening up the window a little bit and kind of saying, what other activities should we look at? And then all of a sudden things like walking and going up and down the stairs and riding a bike and some of the basic ADLs that they do, also had some small amounts of anterior strain. And I think that's kind of where people started saying like, well, wait a minute, if, if, if just some of the ADLs that we do have a little bit of a strain, then is the strain that is observed from 40 to zero degrees, is it clinically relevant? And right. I think that's kind of the question that came up. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know, the, uh, you know. I don't know if we know the answer. I do know that a lot of well-respected people probably still follow those guidelines yeah. a little bit. Um, you know, I, you know, and I don't know. I, I, are we, you know, are we struggling, or are we should we change these things? I, you know, I think the answer is you probably could go all the way to extension, but you certainly probably don't want to do that with a ton of weight. Yeah. And you got to be careful how you advise people nowadays, especially on social media in thirty seconds at a time, right? That somebody might misinterpret your statement to say that you can do anything all the way up there. It's, you know, I think that's a little bit different. So. Uh, let's let me ask a question, and maybe we'll kind of go back to like the strength science of this. But like, you know, why would why why would we want to go all the way to zero? What's the benefit? What do you guys think? Anything strength wise? What is it that that does that we can't replicate with another exercise? Oh, I will say, just in straight knee extensions, great for the quad. Um, I don't know that you couldn't get the same thing maybe with a straight leg raise or something along those lines, but it is obviously a very good isolation exercise. I think the trouble with um, closed chain exercise is people are so good at compensating, you might be able to compensate around it. So right. I can see why the knee extension is be good in someone who's just not very good at isolating their quad. Yeah, I hate to say it, but I, I don't think you're gonna find a better way to increase the EMG of your quadriceps with with knee with something other than knee extension, especially at terminal end right.
1: range. But keep in mind, the first few weeks after surgery, I don't think you're gonna make or break the rehab by not doing by doing a ninety forty. It's not like if you do ninety forties only for the first month or six weeks. That their quad Cement is never gonna to to come back. Region. Like, I, I think <laughs> right. we're over exaggerating. So, right. uh, my position that I usually go is I wait a month at least, and then I'll do, I'll start having to do active or, you know, some resisted full knee extensions. But again, if you look at some of those Benyon studies in the strain gauge, some of the curves, the strain on the ACL in full, doing open chain uh, active range of motion or even weighted is very similar to doing a closed chain mini squat. So, are we having people? Do mini squats? Yes, and the strain is pretty close, three to 4% in a closed chain position too. So we still have people do mini squats. If you look at a study that came out, I forget what it was a few years ago, it was an MRI study looking at the strain on the ACL. They showed just walking was a 13% strain on the ACL. So it begs the question, what percentage strain are we able to are we tolerating, and do we want to put on the graft that we know is trying to mature? It needs strain on it, right, to, in order for the collagen to mature. So, what's the percentage strain to tear the graft? I think the yeah. research is still mixed, right? If we're doing a three, three or four percent strain in general with most of our exercises, is that twenty five percent of the of the strain? The total strain to to tear the graft. I think we think the graft tears at about fifteen to twenty percent strain on it, or the ACL tears at about fifteen to twenty percent. So but again, that
0: research is still So we're quite we're quite sub-threshold on that. So very much so. I, I, I think here's the thing right now, is I don't think the debate of whether or not to do full knee extension week two with a one pound ankle weight, I just don't think it's this important, right? right? So I don't think this or this exercise is that important. So here's kind of how I kind of envision it right now. I think most importantly is make sure you're getting your passive knee extension, right? That's kind of number one. Then make sure that you can contract the quad with your knee fully extended. So like in a quad set, a straight leg raise, like Dan kind of said, that's the function we want out of quadriceps contraction at full extension. As long as you have that, I'm pretty happy with that. I'd say let's probably still start at 90 to 40 and gradually add some linear load to that because we know at least it won't put that much strain on the graph. The things they're gonna do around the house and in their daily lives is going to strain the graft a little bit. I don't think we need to pick an exercise that's also gonna strain it at this point. But then once you get down the road a little bit, you start opening the window. Like Lenny said, he waits about a month. Maybe he's doing it with full range of motion. Maybe you're slowly loading it, that's fine. But then I think the real question comes down to is when do you let them get after it in a knee extension machine down the road? And that's probably looking at, like I don't even know, is it three months? You kind of mentioned twelve think, weeks. Yeah. You know, I, I don't even I, accepted. I think that's when you start, but right. I don't even think you go crazy. It's almost like four months before you start getting real aggressive on that. Um, so yeah, I, I think the science is changing our opinion a little bit here. I think it's changing our mind, and I think there we could probably do a little bit more. But I'm just not sure it's worth it. I'm not sure if we have to. I'm not sure if we're struggling with anything that this is going to solve. Right? So, I don't know. I just think I, I would probably. It's not the end of the world if you do it, but I also don't think, like, by you doing it, it's doing that much benefit, right? No,
1: I think we, we struggle with the last three months of the rehab. I think we gotta focus on that more so than the first three months of the rehab. Get the motion back, like you said, especially extension, and then really be able to focus on those last three months of rehab when the strength gains are gonna be huge and required and the functional aspect of returning.
0: If you're four weeks out though, I would much rather you go 90-40 with a lot of weight Mm -hmm. if you can do it, Mm -hmm. right, than to go all the way up with little weight. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense, I'd rather you go ninety forty with more weight yeah. and then, you know, we'll get our clothes chain going on there. So, yeah, I mean, that, it's a little bit about the history of that, a little bit of like where it came from. And I don't know if we know the answers right away, but I definitely think there's some workarounds that will get the strength back, that will still make sure that they have terminal knee extension, right? But, you know, not put that little bit of strain, just in case. Mm-hmm. Who knows, maybe we're wrong, right? These these old studies like, you know, in vivo, they trust me, they didn't have a huge N, right? They literally put strain gauges and healthy people in their ACL while they were doing exercises. Think about that for a second. Those are like med students, right? pretty funny, right? Imagine that if you got a freaking needle in your knee and you have to do an exercise, right? So like, you know, it, it's, it's interesting kind of study. So, uh, so good question because I think that's like one of those, like, you know, is that an outdated kind of concept? It may be a little bit, but probably not enough that that should be like a big focus of us. So, you know, if you want to go up a little bit, I think you, you probably could, but I think you just got to be careful loading it in that position. That makes sense? That a good answer, maybe. Awesome. Great question. Appreciate it so much. Head to Mike Click on that podcast link and you can ask us more questions like that. Anything you guys want to talk about, hopefully we can get them on a future episode. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to mikerinal.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeRenold.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.